Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Janet, how are you doing? I'm great, Lucia. How are you? Good. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm excited to talk about our movie today, but also not. <laughs> who, who selected uh, this movie? Maybe, wait, before we start get into it, maybe we should tell our listeners the movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, today we're recasting the 2013 Oscar winning movie, August Osage County, starring Meryl Streep and Julia Roberts and several other big Hollywood stars. Um, so I had this movie on our on like my phone list of movies that we've added to over time. And I thought this was one you put on. But since you're asking, maybe it was one that I put on. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't remember. Okay, maybe we just picked it because of all the Julia Roberts talk we've had in the past. <laughs> maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I saw this movie when it was I didn't see it in theaters or anything, but I did see it when it was up for the Oscar, like before the ceremony. I remembered thinking it was good. And that was that. And then it just kind of like everything about it pretty much left my head. <laughs> yeah. Had you ever seen this before? No, I had never watched this. I wouldn't have been attracted to this movie because like, I don't like julia roberts and i'm not a huge meryl streep fan either oh i mean she's okay but whatever like she's not necessarily a draw for me like okay when i'm selecting a movie or if like you know she does something so i would never have watched this so i only watched it for the podcast i feel like we should have like had a disclaimer when we first mentioned this movie because I feel like this movie could really be triggering to people. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, for sure. Like, while I was watching it, I was like, wow, this movie is triggering big time. There's a lot of trigger points in yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's dark. It's way darker than... It was advertised as because I feel like and what the part that I remembered and the part that I feel like was in every trailer and what everybody talked about was the part where Julia Roberts physically attacks Meryl Streep. And they almost it felt like it was almost played for laughs. So the movie ended up being so much darker than my memory of it. So maybe I plucked it out, too. But like, yeah, it felt like it was almost treated as like a not a full on comedy, but like a dark comedy in some ways. I don't know how to describe it. I just remember it not being treated with the seriousness of the subject matter. Yeah, like, I mean, it's described as a tragic comedy. (laughs) And I don't like there was nothing humorous about this movie. The whole two hours that I sat and watched this, I did not laugh at all during this like there's nothing humorous about this movie if anything I think this movie could potentially be very triggering for people so 
I mean, once we get into the, the like the numbers, the financials of it, I understand the financials completely. Oh, interesting. Well, I think that's a really good point. And I think on all subsequent uh, posts about this episode, we will include a trigger warning. Because <laughs> I think yeah. that's a really good idea. Yeah. But yeah, so then why don't we get into the box office? I didn't look at it. So um, sure. Sorry. So the budget was 25 million. And the box office was 74 million. So it was a moderate commercial success Mm -hmm. again i feel like this is the kind of movie that i mean it was released in december of 2013 i believe so obviously they were looking it's oscar bait right yeah yeah. oh yeah okay totally and it was produced by like the weinstein company which they were always always like on the pursuit yeah uh of awards and harvey weinstein was all over this movie i have some stories about that yeah maybe we also shouldn't talk a lot about harvey weinstein uh because again that could be like triggering so i'm not sure how how far into the weinstein stories we should delve right but yeah so and it also like it premiered at tiff Oh. The Toronto International Film Festival, which is always, I mean, TIFF is like ground zero, it seems, for a lot of these Oscar movies, right? Mm-hmm. So I just think that it's the kind of movie that wouldn't necessarily, like, it's not a word of mouth kind of film. Like, it's not the kind of movie that you would see and then tell your friends oh you should go see this I don't know maybe some people would I don't know this is not the kind of movie that I would tell my friends to go and see because it is there's a lot of darkness it is very heavy it's serious there's just a lot going on here that's not fun so it's not necessarily the kind of movie that I would that would get that word of mouth buzz where you would have people going to see it. So I think maybe that in part is the why it it wasn't like a, like a huge success at the box office. Right. Yeah. I think probably like the cast, the huge cast would have been probably the draw for like whoever did go see it. And then, yeah, they didn't go on to tell others, Oh, you have to see this. Agree. Agree. Yeah. All right. Well, the synopsis is a look at the lives of the strong-willed women of the Weston family, whose paths have diverged until a family crisis brings them back to the Oklahoma house they grew up in and the dysfunctional woman who raised them. So, yeah, it's interesting because it's based on a play and it does feel like that. I feel like the way the dialogue flows does feel very much like a stage play. And Tracy Letts wrote the play. And so I was like, reading about them and thinking, oh, yeah, Tracy, this woman wrote a play about women, but it turns out Tracy Letts is a man. <laughs> so I thought that was a little oh. bit interesting. <laughs> you, I knew. Oh, really? I never get I never guessed that he was. I didn't. Oh, OK. I never thought he was a woman. Why would you think he was a woman? <laughs> well, because all of the main characters are women oh, and the really? men are very... Yeah. The men characters are all pretty, like, meek and in the background. Oh, okay, okay. 
Yeah, I think a stage version of this, I don't know what that would have looked like. It did quite well. It won a Pulitzer Prize. I think this is something that maybe I would have preferred to have seen the stage version. I think sure. this is a case of like something that they tried adapting it to film, but I think the stage version is probably the way to go with it. Yeah. What I thought was interesting, because it was a super successful play, as you said, was that Tracy Letts wanted the original stage cast to reprise their roles in the movie, but ultimately none of them appear in the movie and it's all big Hollywood actors. So that's, I'll just say, like, that's the only thing I'll say about him. That's very much where Harvey Weinstein uh, came into play. He had a lot of, like, control over parts of the movie. Yeah, but I mean, that would have been any Hollywood executive. You know what I mean? I don't know. You don't hear, like, reading about movies, you don't hear that as often. Well, I don't know. I disagree because I saw who the cast was for the stage play. None of those people would have been box office draws. Right. So why would, like, there's no way if they'd made uh, the film with any of those people, nobody would have gone to see the movie. They needed a big... They needed big names in this cast in order to lure people in, for sure. I guess, but I feel like they do that sometimes. Like, for example, with the movie Rent, they had most of the original cast, stage cast, doing the roles in the movie. Now, granted, maybe this is a bad example because I don't think the movie did that well. (laughs) But maybe that's the problem. Like, maybe when you do that, it's really for too small a group of people, like the people who are into the theater. Yeah, but also Rent is musical theater. Yeah, that makes a difference for sure. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we take our first break and then we'll come back and we'll do our recasting. This episode is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page. Or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. And now back to the show. And we are back. I guess I can start since we think this might have been my pick. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So when I was watching it this second time, just the other day for the podcast, I had forgotten that Ewan McGregor was in it. I had forgotten that Benedict Cumberbatch was in it. So initially, my thought was we were just recasting Julia Roberts. But and even though I love those two actors, while watching them try to do a Southern accent, or maybe not Ewan McGregor, but anyway, their original accent kept like coming through here and there. And for me, it was taking me out of the story a bit. So that was why I also asked if we could recast those two characters along with Julia Roberts. So I'll start with Julia Roberts, the Barbara Weston character. You know, I had never thought about it until you and I talked about, I think it was the Notting Hill episode of Repodcasting, where you were saying that she's just not that good an actor. And I I was surprised. (laughs) I'll admit it. But the more I've thought about it, I'm like, I think Janet's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And watching this movie, I was like, this role is very 
meaty. And there's opportunities for subtlety and for lack of subtlety and like for all this gamut of emotions. And she is just not bringing it. So yeah, I was really like disappointed in that. And it's funny because she does just have this like stellar reputation and people love her and adore her. And I can't figure out, like, even though I thought she was a good actor, I didn't like adore her or anything. But yeah, I can't figure out what it is about her that's tricking people into thinking she's a good actor. I don't know. I mean, I did notice that George Clooney, his production company, that they produced this. Oh, He is very good friends with George Clooney in real life. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that had something that that came into play as far as casting went, for sure. Yeah, that's I believe that. Apparently, her favorite actor is Meryl Streep. And so when she got this... She was doing an interview for Mirror Mirror or whatever movie she was promoting at the time. And she like cried in the interview because she was so excited that she was going to work with Meryl Streep. So that made me feel a little guilty that we're recasting her. (laughs) But she doesn't deserve this role. And yeah, it must be because she probably told her friend George that she wants to work with her favorite actor, Meryl. (laughs) So anyway, when I was thinking of who could replace her, I wanted obviously like a very competent actor, but also somebody with that same level of star power, just with more talent. So I did land on two. My first one is Amy Adams. I think she's just excellent. And thinking of her, now this was a long time ago, but thinking of her in the movie Junebug, and then also thinking of her character in the series Sharp Objects, I was like, oh yeah, she could definitely do this role and bring that nuance to it that I think is lacking. Yeah, yeah, Amy Adams, I think she does. I think she, her strengths are dramatic acting. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I agree. And then I picked someone who, I mean, if we're going to try and turn this into a tragic comedy, uh, I picked somebody who I think can do both drama and comedy very well. And that is Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock has a presence that I think the character requires. Like she's very strong. She can play like, I'll say this, and I don't think it's meant to be funny, but I feel like she could have played it in a way that like, I feel like I'm not articulating myself well. But anyway, there's a part where Violet, the mother, is about to disclose to Ivy that her cousin is actually – sorry, we're going to spoil this movie. (laughs) So (laughs) she's about to disclose to her daughter Ivy that her cousin is actually her half-brother. And they've been dating. And I think it's bad enough that they were dating as first cousins. But anyway (laughs) – So the Barbara character, Julia Roberts' character, knows. She knows what's happening and she's trying to keep it from Ivy. And so she's like jumping in and screaming and like, and she's like, eat your fucking fish. And she's like just screaming. And she seems crazy at the moment, but the audience knows why she's reacting in that way. And I don't know that scene. I was like, man, Sandra Bullock could pull that off in a way that I think, because the first time I watched it, that scene didn't do anything for me. And... I don't think Julia Roberts comes across 
exactly in the way that it's supposed to. And just picturing Sandra Bullock in that scene and many others, I was like, man, she would just like nail that. And it would be just that right level of, oh, I'm doing this for like, I seem crazy, but I'm doing this for everybody's good. And like, I have a reason. And I don't know, I really wanted to see her do that scene specifically. Yeah. You know, I think that Julia Roberts is one of the most overrated actors in Hollywood. Yeah. I I am leaning towards that too. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think she's fine in certain things, but I don't think that she deserves like the awe inspiring sort of accolades that she's constantly getting. And I also don't think that she deserves half of the roles that, that she gets. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, sorry. Should I go next? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. You can tell us your Barbara. Okay. Yeah. So I also had two choices for Barbara. Like you, I wasn't, I mean, I'm never impressed by Julia Roberts. Right. So I was watching her in this and I was like, yeah, she's out of her bandwidth in this movie. I mean, it is a great role. Absolutely. I just didn't like her portrayal of Barbara. Mm-hmm. because I don't like her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's really nothing else to say. Like you, I landed on Sandra Bullock oh. as my first choice. Yeah, I thought she was immediately, like, I would say, like, 10 minutes into the movie, I was like, why wasn't Sandra Bullock considered for this role? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Sandra Bullock is often overlooked for a lot of things, especially dramatic roles Mm -hmm. but I think because she's good at comedy I think she would have brought something to this role that Julia Roberts could never in her wildest dreams reach Mm -hmm. you know what I yeah so I really liked Sandra Bullock for it and then my and again like I wanted someone of that stature in terms of star power right and I'm looking at it from like the commercial executive sort of (laughs) perspective right it's like who can you get into this role who is like a box office draw and I would I would argue and say that Sandra Bullock is more of a box office draw than Julia Roberts is yeah certainly nowadays in 2013, maybe then as well. Yeah, definitely. In 2013 as well. Because I think, didn't she do the Miss Congeniality movies? Wasn't oh, yeah. that around 2013? I think that was around that time. Anyway, Sandra Bullock was my first choice. My second choice, which she's not as commercial, but I totally could have seen her in this role, is Laura Linney. Oh, you know what? Wow, I didn't Laura, even think of her. Laura Linney, I just <sighs> kept coming back to her as well. Because Laura Linney, I think, is a phenomenal dramatic actor, but also she's good at comedy, too. I think she just doesn't get to do comedy very often because she's primarily, I guess, sort of thought of for, like, she's maybe considered more for dramatic roles. But again, she's not as commercial, right? But she, she was my second choice. Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad at myself for not thinking of Laura Linney because, yeah, she would nail it. 
Yeah. Oh man. She would have been a great Barbara, I think. I totally could have seen her in a lot of those moments as Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, well, moving on to Bill Fordham, who was played by Ewan McGregor. So yeah, it's not that I don't like Ewan McGregor. I think he's really good in most of the stuff I've seen him in, but his accent kept coming through and that was bugging me. Now this role isn't as meaty. So I actually, in some ways, had like a harder time picking somebody because it was kind of like, well, most people could do it. But then I ended up landing on Benjamin Bratt from Miss Congeniality. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so he's been Sandra Bullock's love interest before. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I like him. I think he's a little bit underrated. Like he doesn't work as much or at least in as many bigger commercial movies. And yeah. he should be seen more. He should be more of a household name. Yeah, yeah, I could see him as Bill. I don't, it's funny that you say that about the accent. I didn't notice. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I really thought this was sort of like the Bill role. I agree with you in the sense that I feel like you don't necessarily need to be a big name either to be in that role. Yeah. Ewan McGregor is certainly a big name. I'm not sure that they necessarily, like they could have probably saved some money there. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) On salary. I don't know. But I also didn't pick a small actor because. Okay. Like, I really like this actor, and I think that he's underrated. I selected Kevin Bacon. Oh, all right. Yeah. I've never seen him work with Sandra Bullock. I think that was one of the reasons that I chose him. But Kevin Bacon is often in roles where you kind of, it's their quiet roles where you don't even notice him. Like, that's the thing about Kevin Bacon. He's like, he's been working for you know how many decades now in Hollywood and he's such a big deal and yet he goes under the radar you know what I mean and he's good in roles where he's not necessarily the star like he's like a supporting actor but he's so good and I don't know I just would have really liked to have seen him in this role and I would love to see him work opposite Sandra Bullock as well that's a really good choice I like it Okay, so, oh, I'm glad you mentioned, like, they could have saved a bit of money because there's, what, two different sets? Like, it's pretty much all in the house. So all of that $25 million is to pay the salaries of these mega stars. <laughs> so, yeah, they probably should have saved a bit of money there. <laughs> um, and then the last role we're recasting is Little Charles Aiken played by Benedict Cumberbatch. I feel like in 2013, I already knew who he was and already was a fan, but I really have no recollection of him being in this movie. I was shocked. (laughs) So anyway, he plays little Charles, as I said, and that's the cousin that we mentioned before, who ends up being the half-brother of all the women in this family. And so, yeah, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he is really talented. I'm like a big, big fan. But I definitely heard like, especially he was trying to do a Southern accent. And it was not working for me whatsoever. And you know, what's weird is that was one of the things that Tracy Letts was fighting with producers on too, is there were people who wanted Judy Dench as Violet and Nicole Kidman as Barbara. And it's like, it's set in Oklahoma. And that's kind of like an important part of it. So why are you trying to throw in all these actors who don't have an American accent? 
But anyway, so his accent was bothering me in this movie, and that's why I wanted to recast him. And my first choice, I thought of him, and then I thought, no, this is too weird. And then the more I thought of him, I was like, no, I like it. So um, I chose Ed Helms from The Office and from a movie called Cedar Rapids. He's from the Hangover trilogy, but what he's doing in those movies is not what you – like, he can do other things. (laughs) And so – what I was really looking for in that role was someone who can play anxious, awkward, um, uncomfortable, because that's very much that whole char- that poor character. My goodness, he's just been like beaten down through life by his mother, and you can tell he's like afraid to to take a step without checking with her. And you know, there's this anxiety that you see coming through. That Benedict Cumberbatch did that part well. And so while I was looking for replacements and I was going through lists of actors and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know, it just feels like, you know, leading men certainly are never allowed to play like anxious or nerdy or awkward or, you know, anything like that. And so I actually did have a bit of a tough time picking for this role. But Ed Helms, especially his role in The Office, he does awkward really well. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I could really picture him in this. Okay. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch kind of, I didn't realize that he was in this. Like when you mentioned that you wanted to recast him, I was like, what is he even doing? <laughs> yeah. Why? Like he just really stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I don't know. He seemed really out of place mm. in this ensemble cast. And I mean, I adore him. I think he is a stellar actor. Like, he's excellent. And I love watching him do anything. Like, if Benedict Cumberbatch is in a movie, like, chances are I will watch it. He's a draw for me. Mm -hmm. But I also love, like, anything that's British. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I mean, I do. I think he's, he's an exceptional actor. Yeah, and you know what's funny is he seems to play, like, a lot of roles where he has to do a Southern accent. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, because he was just in that – he was just nominated for an Oscar this year in a film. I can't remember the name now. but Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog, that's it. And he plays, like – I believe he does a Southern accent in that film. I haven't watched it yet. Same. Um, And there's another film that he did a couple of years ago where he plays, like, some sort of – he's in the army or any – and he had a a Southern accent. And apparently, like, people really sort of tore him apart for that as well. Critics did anyway. I don't know. Anyways, I just thought that he was kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. in the the role of little charles little charles is like you know you feel like genuine sympathy for this character he's so riddled with anxiety and he's just got so much going on emotionally you can see he's just like this anxious sort of character this fellow so i wanted someone who could do that. It's not that I didn't think Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't good in his portrayal. I almost felt like, I don't know, I almost felt like it was, there was a lot of extra going on. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. 
I just didn't enjoy him in the role. I didn't think he was that great. So the actor that I went with is someone who I thought would have definitely played it differently. I don't know. At times, Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of little Charles didn't feel realistic to me for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, I went with an actor who is has now passed away but at the time that this movie was made he was still alive and i went with philip seymour hoffman okay yeah i really i don't know i really could have seen him in this role i think he would have done something really spectacular yeah and i think he was so he was just so gifted at playing awkward underdog type of roles like I mean he was a phenomenal actor yeah one of the greats for sure wow yeah that's good and I would have liked to have seen what his little Charles would have looked like yeah yeah I agree that Benedict Cumberbatch was like just really sticking out like it it didn't feel right he didn't belong in that movie I think if Philip Seymour Hoffman had played little Charles I think he would have stolen the movie away yeah. From Julia Roberts. <laughs> yes. And her, Meryl Streep. And her overacting, like <laughs> Julia Roberts and her big, like she has to shout and wave her arms around like an angry bird, like, <laughs> you know, and shout and bah. Like, you know, she has to do all of that in order for us to, like, take, be like, oh, wow, yes. Like, she's. Yeah. She's angry, you know. (laughs) Like that's the only way she knows how to how to act, right? Is like loud and like you know. (laughs) Yeah, I think that would have been really interesting. I think if Philip Seymour Hoffman had been in that role, I think he also would have stolen the movie away from certain people in this Mm -hmm. in this movie. So yeah, no doubt about it. That's that's great. Wow. So I found some like other potential casting choices that had been considered. A bunch of British people for some reason, as I was saying. But also Jim Carrey was considered for the role of Steve, the Dermot Mulroney role, which I thought was really odd, but would be interesting. Yeah. Because, like, he's a good actor. Uh, well, I don't really think much. Of no, Jim you Carrey, don't. To be honest. Um, Dermot Mulroney, I thought, you know what's funny is I actually – was thinking of Dermot Mulrooney for the Bill role before Dermot Mulrooney showed up on screen. Because <laughs> I didn't realize he was in the movie. Right. And so I was watching it and I was like, oh, Dermot Mulrooney. I was like, who was that guy that was in my best friend's wedding? Like, I couldn't remember, <laughs> right? And then I was like, he would be good as Bill. And then he shows up as like this sleazy like dirt bag and I was like no this movie who did the casting for this movie (laughs) should have been in that role what was the character's name Steve Steve. you know who I think should have been Steve I think Benedict Cumberbatch should have been Steve oh boy it would have been playing against type completely but he Benedict Cumberbatch would have played him in such a like a different sort of obnoxious way that I totally could have seen. Like when you said that Benedict Cumberbatch was in this movie, 
that's initially who I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be Steve. Okay. And then when I saw that he was little Charles, I was like, what is going on here? And then I was like, no, Dermot Mulroney should have been Bill. <laughs> like, yeah, all this stuff was going on in my head. But anyway, I didn't like Dermot Mulroney as Steve at all. Like, no, he's not believable as that character. <laughs> I was fine with it. But I love that you basically, we don't, we don't need to recast. We just need to shuffle people around. <laughs> I almost was going to do that, but then I thought, oh, I, that's really lazy. <laughs> like, I, this is a homework assignment, and I'm going to do it. So that's Excellent. why I didn't, I didn't start shuffling people around. But if we were shuffling people around, that's how I would have done it, for sure. It'd be interesting. And Dermot Mulroney as Bill would be perfect. Yeah, exactly. He would have been a perfect Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that if he were Bill, he would have been Julia Roberts' husband. And so they've remained friends since my, I was going to say my big fat Greek wedding, my best friend's wedding. Yeah. And like, apparently when, I can't remember who got cast first. I think Julia Roberts got cast first. And then when he like told her he was going to be in the movie, they were like so excited. It was kind of sweet. <laughs> you know, it's funny because watching it, I was like, wow, Dermot Mulroney was in like this big Oscar Beatty ensemble cast and now he's doing Hallmark movies. Is he? Yeah, he's doing, you know, those Christmas Hallmark movies like, yeah, he's doing those. Well, he's done one. I shouldn't okay. say he's doing. He did one. So, I mean, everyone's got to pay their bills, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It feels sort of like why has his career devolved? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't know either. I-, I like him. For the Violet role, there were all kinds of people considered. Jane Fonda, Sissy Spacek, Jessica Lange, Glenn Close, Annette Benning, Judy Dench, as I mentioned. So yeah, they were really trying everyone in that age, age range. I could have seen Annette Benning in that role. She would kill it. Yeah. Annette Benning does yeah. everything amazingly. Yeah. But I will say this about Meryl Streep, because I'm not like... It's not that I dislike her. I don't. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was excellent in this role. Mm -hmm. Absolutely shattered it in this role. But yeah, like I could see Annette Bening or even I could see Jane Fonda actually. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Then we have Kathy Bates was in talks to play Maddie Faye, who was played by Margot Martindale. And I love Margot Martindale. But I think Kathy Bates would have been a better Maddie Yeah, I, I think Kathy Bates would have been the better choice for sure. Yeah, I wonder what happened there. Kristen Davis, Lauren Graham, Christine Taylor, and Adina Menzel were all considered for the role of Ivy. Some of those, most of those feel weird. I don't really know Julianne Nicholson very well, but I think she did a good job in that role. And really, none of these other names make me go, oh, they should have put them in there. Yeah. But yeah, so there were lots of casting choices going around for these roles. I mean, especially like if the play had already been successful, I'm sure that people were gunning to get in there. Yeah, there were a lot of casting choices for Barb, the Barbara role as well. Oh. There was one that I actually saw that I almost landed on, and that was Renee Zellweger. And I don't like Renee Zellweger, but mm-hmm. I actually could see her in this role. Yeah. That's funny. I didn't see any other Barbaras, but. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, they changed the ending of the movie. I guess it was initially supposed to end at the scene where everybody has left the house and Violet goes and cries to Jonah, Jonah. And that's where it was supposed to end. But then I guess test audiences didn't like where Barbara's character was left at that point. But I don't think adding a scene where you see her pull over and then drive away. I guess it's just because she doesn't go back to the house that that's why that scene is there. I don't think that adds anything. No, that was just to give Julia Roberts one last acting moment of staring off into the horizon in a really dramatic way. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She probably oh, made them. She probably made them write that in for her. Oh boy, could be. Yeah, she's so she's supposedly such a bully. Oh, really? She has that reputation, yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so then the last thing I wanted to mention is something that I found so odd. The tagline of this movie is Misery Loves Family. And that is the exact same tagline as a movie from nearly 10 years earlier called Meet the Fockers. (laughs) Oh, okay. Like, to me, these two movies could not be more different in every aspect like it's so funny that they landed on the exact same tagline yeah i don't know i didn't see the tagline (laughs) where was it like on the movie poster or yeah probably like they use it yeah in that way but yeah so then the ratings for the movie i was surprised to see this on imdb it has a 58 percent from 45 critics i don't know i remember at the time it being well received but i guess not i don't know Yeah, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 67% from 207 reviewers. So even then, that's still, like, pretty low. Yeah, it's mediocre. That seems about right. I do think it seems fair, but I don't know. I just, I remember at the time, the buzz around it was, like, so strong, but probably just because it was, uh, what's the word? It was, like, campaigning, probably, for awards. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, it's time for our second ad break before we go on to our final segment. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. And now back to the show. And we're back, and it is time for everyone's favorite segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. And I have to admit, I'm very excited to see where you placed him, Janet. Oh, well, you can go first. Sure, yeah. So I decided to cast Tony Danza, maybe in an obvious role, but as Charlie Aiken. So the Chris Cooper character, little Charles's father. Well, the person who acted as little Charles's father. Yeah, like that guy was like, he just seemed like a decent person. Probably one of the very, very few in this movie. And, you know, kind of the patriarch, even though clearly Meryl Streep is the one in charge of everything. But yeah, I just feel like that's such a nice spot to put Tony Danza. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I wanted to cast him against type. Mm-hmm. And so I cast him as Steve. I knew that was coming. (laughs) Even though he'd be a bit older. But the character of Steve is supposed to be older than Karen, right? You You get that sense that he's a little bit older than she is, right? Yes. So I thought, well, he'll just be a little bit more older than Karen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I wanted to see Tony like be really like flashy and in like a sports car and just, yeah. you know, play the dirt bag because I wanted him to like flex those acting muscles of his. For sure. <laughs> but I almost I almost did cast him as as Charlie. I almost but then I was like, you know, that seems kind of like the obvious place to put him. I was like, yeah. I want to give him some spice and, you know, let him play against type. I don't know how, but I knew that that's where you were going to put him. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we improved this movie by a lot. So do I, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so next month we have, oh, actually... Next month, we're recasting one of my all-time favorite movies, which I'm embarrassed to admit is one of my all-time favorite movies, which is Garden State, the Zach Braff 2004 movie. So we'll be recasting that. And you can find us on all the social media platforms at Repodcasting. If you have any suggestions, any complaints about our casting choices, anything like that, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. So, Janet, thank you, as always, for joining me. Thanks, Lucia. Bye. Bye.